everyone. Welcome back to season four of the Resilient Pastor podcast. I'm here with Rich and Sharon. Let's just stop right here and say, come on, guys. Good to see you. How was summer? How are you feeling? Summer was great. Uh, some time off. Uh, went to Sharon's favorite place, uh, Disney World, and spent $3,000 on a lightsaber experience <laughs> with my son. So uh, that was awesome. How about you, Sharon? Well, how was summer for you? You had a sabbatical. Yeah. Yeah. I had a great sabbatical. It was really restful. I had a lot of time of quiet and solitude and reading. I read a ton. Um, Yeah. Just really was reminded why I was called to ministry in the first place. And so that's wow. that was really mm. refreshing. So it was great. So so basically not Disney World, like the opposite of what Rich just described. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that would have improved my sabbatical is if I had gone to Disney. <laughs> uh, we'll schedule I, that in for the next one, Sharon. Mm-hmm. That's right. And Rich, you also did some traveling. You were in England for a bit. Yeah, went to England, uh, London, uh, Holy Trinity Brompton has a festival called Focus, where all their network of churches get together. And so uh, preaching there was a joy. Rosie and the kids uh, joined me. And Glenn, uh, we connected there. Uh, We had a Tuesday where we were on the London Eye and St. Paul's Cathedral Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Shake Shack, oh, uh, the, yeah. the, 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 the American the great, part of the um, American. The day, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it was a, a great time, and you as well had some time in England. Yeah, we. It's it's funny the timing. You were there for the HTB thing. I was there for another network uh, event called New Wine. Another you know, incredible group of churches um, going after the Lord. Just fun to see people seeking Jesus and strengthening each other. Uh, I, you know, Sharon, you, you, that one week for me was like the week where I got a lot of reading done, but I can only imagine, man, I mean, I'm not jealous, but I'm re- really grateful that you had a month of like really soaking and, and reading. And this, you know, this whole podcast for our listeners, this is all about practical questions that address, you know, some of the challenges we're facing as church leaders and pastors. And so we want to be sure even in our opening conversations to, to share a little bit of a window into our own life and our own journey. We're not, um, we're not hosts on these podcasts because we have it all together. Uh, we're hosts because we're fellow companions along the way. And, and so when we talk mm-hmm. about sabbaticals or resilience or all of this stuff that's coming out of the story of our life. And, and you know, in addition to kicking off season four, we're also launching year two of the Resilient Pastor Initiative. And there's a few pieces of this. So the, the city roundtables are coming up. I love these city roundtables because uh, they're a chance for pastors in, in the city to get together um, without anything being asked of them. They're not leading something. They're not, uh, you know, contributing. They're not, you know, brainstorming some new serving opportunity. It's strictly to receive, to be encouraged, to be equipped. Uh, and we've got three cities this fall. Sharon, you're joining me, I think, in Charlotte. we got Charlotte, North Carolina, October 4th. Uh, Chicago, Illinois, October 26th. Orange County, right here, Costa Mesa. Uh, and on November 16th. Uh, so Sharon's going to join me on some of these. Derwin's going to join me. Uh, Jeannie Stevens is joining me. And we're really, we're focusing a lot on kind of practices that help bring renewal to the pastor. We're going to talk a lot about collaboration and with teams, team dynamics. How does this actually work? So it, it's it's very much kind of um, a forward-facing, solutions-oriented. How do we, what's our way forward here for practices of renewal, practices of collaboration? So th- these are free events, thanks to our amazing sponsors. So you'll want to be sure to check out Barna's website. 
uh, on that. Hey, and then also in this episode, kicking it off, Sharon, you you sat down with Chuck DeGroat. And just for our listeners here, Chuck serves as professor of counseling and Christian spirituality, uh, executive director of the Clinical Mental Health Counseling Program at Western Theological Seminary in Holland, Michigan. Uh, he's a licensed therapist and spiritual director specializing in issues of abuse and trauma, pastoral and leadership health, and navigating issues of doubt and dark nights of the faith journey. So quite an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, also minister of word and sacrament in the Reformed Church of America. And he has uh, you know, been a pastor in Orlando and in San Francisco. So that's a it's a huge topic. And I would love to kind of begin our conversation here by, by talking about this a little bit. Um, Chuck obviously wrote his book about when narcissism comes to the church. And you guys have read it. I'll be honest, I have not read it. And I'd just be curious to hear each of you comment a little bit. Maybe we'll start with you, Sharon, on on what you uh, what you took away from that book when you read it. Well, I'll be honest. I actually dragged my feet to read it because I thought I knew what it was about. And mm. it was not until I heard Carrie Newhoff actually interview him earlier this summer that I realized I I had misunderstood like the fundamental message of the book. And he writes and speaks very compassionately, very empathetically mm. towards pastors. Mm. It is not an expose. Mm. Really, it was, I'll be honest, I I read it and I think I may have mentioned this in last season, one of the, I recorded with Beth at the very end of the season. And I think I had just read it, but I don't, I can't remember a book that mm. has made me feel more personally convicted in mm. recent memory. Wow. I wow. really, and it's because, you know, narcissism, there's a spectrum and mm. we don't all have narcissistic personality disorder. And I, and I think my, misunderstanding of the book was just, you know, talking about all pastors essentially being narcissists. Mm. But he names, you know, elements on this spectrum where I could definitely see myself. And Mm. if I if I continue to nurture unhealth in me, I could see myself Mm. moving further down that spectrum. And so it it has been a while since I've read a book and thought I, I I remember thinking in the middle of it, I need to repent. <laughs> I wow. really had that thought, but in a really good way, like, like in a Holy mm-hmm. Spirit conviction, not like in a mm-hmm. condemning way, but in like a good medicine kind of a way. Um, yeah. So it, that, that really, I've returned to it again and again since then. Mm-hmm. How about you, Rich? Yeah, I read it in 2020 when it came out and um uh, invited Chuck to our school of formation, I think in 2021 to do something for mm-hmm. a cohort of our leaders. Uh, and like Sharon said, he's, he's naming the spectrum mm-hmm. of, of narcissism. And I thought it was such an important book. Uh, and myself really impacted by it as well. You know, I, I think to think about narcissism, I, I think about it, not from a clinical perspective, but from mm-hmm. a theological perspective, mm-hmm around um sin like to you know saint augustine talked about sin as to you know to be curved in on oneself Mm -hmm. and narcissism is about this sense of uh selfishness uh a sense of entitlement uh uh, a lack of empathy 
because you're still turned in on yourself, you know, a high need for admiration and things along those lines. Uh, and so if we're looking at it theologically, um, every one of us to some degree or another will wrestle with this. Mm. And so I think what Chuck has done there importantly uh, is to name the, the, the spectrum and then some of the larger, uh, you know, narcissism with a capital N and mm. narcissism maybe with a lowercase N is another mm. way of just thinking about it. But yeah, um, I, I found myself as well convicted and but looking at it from a theological perspective, not necessarily a psychological or clinical perspective. I appreciate what both of you are saying here with the spectrum, but then also the theological perspective. You know, let's just chat for a moment about how this hits us as pastors. I, I, I realize, you know, coming into this role here at Rock Harbor, when you, when you serve as the lead pastor of a church, uh, the staff in particular will, will ask you a, your question, your opinion about everything. You know, mm -hmm. and it's it doesn't take long before the whole organization is catered around or calibrated to your preferences. And and one of the things I recognize early is the more times I answer the question and the more times I weigh in with an opinion, uh, the more it will be calibrated around my preferences. And it doesn't need to be calibrated to my preferences. Uh, it, it maybe needs to be influenced and shaped by my convictions, by my vision. Sure, that's certainly part of the role. But when the whole institution, when, when someone says, why do we do this, 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 and this? And it's, oh, pastor likes it that way. Uh, there, that begins to be a problem. If, if a team can only articulate the rationale for a particular decision and their, their best answer they can come up with is, our pastor likes this, or our pastor says this, uh, that's, a, that's a problem, right? So how do you deal with that even for you guys when you're, when you're you know, do you run into that? You wrestle with that when people are saying, hey, Sharon, Ike, what do you guys want to do? Rich, you know, how, how, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, the thing that, and Rich, you sort of alluded to this, I think there's two separate matters here. One is just empowering your team, you know, making sure you're not micromanaging everyone. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that as necessarily always being, unless it's like a control issue. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily yeah. see that as being as much about narcissism. The thing that Sure. Chuck really puts his finger on is the connection between narcissism and trauma and mm. or, or woundedness. And mm. that's kind of what, what Rich was just alluding to as well. There's, there's an inherent selfishness to pain. And mm. some of that is, wow. is healthy. You know, when, when you break your leg, especially in, immediately everything is focused on this leg. You know, your whole body is like going to compensate to protect this leg. And until it's, you know, healed, you're going to be preoccupied with this leg. And, and I think that whatever part of you is wounded, you're going to overcompensate around that. And you're going to focus on that. And so I think it's really helpful for Chuck to name that so we can have compassion on ourselves, we can have compassion on other people who have narcissism, but to also say the work, the really important work to be the kind of leader where you're not overly controlling, um, yeah. where you don't have a lack of empathy, whatever it is, is actually going to begin by healing. That's and really good. That, that was really helpful for me. Mm. Yeah, al along those lines, in terms of um, people coming to you for, as the pastor, for your mm. opinion, you know, I just got back from a few weeks off on vacation and I, by two, I got back on Monday 
by Tuesday, I had tremendous decision fatigue because everyone, <laughs> what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And I was like, is this, was this my life before I went on vacation? Like, how is this even sustainable? Um, but I, I think the way I think about that question is um, there are certain seasons and personalities yeah. that actually would do well to be quite decisive and clear. Yeah. Uh, whereas yes. others, so I don't think about clarity as the same as control. That's right. Uh, I think people need clarity. I think people need a sense of vision and direction that's open to collaboration and the insight of others. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas others who don't consider, um, and so, you know, narcissism, I think, can be at work when there is a very low level of shared decision making. Mm-hmm. And so it is just the pastor as opposed to creating mm-hmm. environments mm-hmm. where I do want to get everyone's best opinion. And I don't want to have to find myself in every conversation related to, you know, various ministries. Um, and so, you know, the, the notion of, you know, the way that I think about it, you know, I, I once gave a talk on like celebrityism, yeah. uh, which is similar to narcissism mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I try to name like entitlement mm-hmm. and uh, not, uh, you know, transa- you know, non-transactional relationships, the importance mm-hmm. of non-transactional relationships yeah. that, yeah. Uh, and then shared kind of decision-making power. So I think for some folks, they you need to swing the pendulum and be yeah. clear and decisive, whereas yeah. others, I think it is important to invite collaboration and, and the insights of others. Yeah, I absolutely agree that clarity is not the same thing as control and that collaboration is not always the right decision in every, in every scenario or context. I, I 100% agree with that. Sharon, what you said about the wounds is really, really interesting because, and then I want to mm. say a comment on this and then turn the page real quick, but uh, when it, it sounds like what you're saying is when a person is wounded, they need to necessarily pay attention to themselves. And there is a sense in which when you're wounded, you quote unquote, control the surroundings around you so that everything is safe and there's no further wounding. And so you learn the ability to control the environment around you in order to protect yourself. And, and that's okay for a time. But I think the danger for leaders, it sounds like you're saying, is that you carry that MO into your leadership style. And so now you just control every environment you're in so that everything is calibrated around your, your preferences and desires because you never actually dealt with the, the, the woundedness in, inside of you. And that, that's, a, that's a tricky thing. Now, let's, let's play the other side of this, okay? I mean, I, I feel like sometimes there are a lot of people in churches who want to play the game. Your pastor is a narcissist if, you know, and it's like if they post a reel every day or if they do that. And, and, and we throw around these words that are loaded words, that are clinical words that come from therapy world that we are not qualified to diagnose or, or, or apply to people. But I talk to, to church leaders, to pastors who feel like they're scared to lead. They're scared to give any clarity. They're scared to be directive um, in case they're accused of being a narcissist. Uh, would each of you comment on that? I mean, I, I can say I absolutely can relate to that. You know, there there is a because these terms are being used without a shared understanding of what they mean. Mm-hmm. I think when you disagree with somebody else and because you are the lead pastor, you end up making a decision that somebody doesn't like, there is a fear on the other end. And, and I've seen this happen of pastors then being accused of being toxic, of being narcissistic. Mm-hmm. And that ironically 
the fear that that the anxiety that I think that creates in pastors also creates unhealthy leadership Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, it's a spiral. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I can totally relate to that. And it's something I've, I've been processing and talk with Chuck about as well. As we're, as we're giving ourselves to our own self-examination and inviting, I think, perspective from others. Yeah. Um, I know in my case, I can, if I'm not careful, um, default to consensus Mm-hmm. on certain things. And so I need people to say, no, Rich, we need you to be really clear and decisive around yeah. this. I just had a conversation with our worship pastor yesterday mm-hmm. about multi-congregational stuff that we're doing right now. And she basically you know, said straight to me, Rich, we need you to be the person to yeah. step in this and be clear. So uh, yeah, that's going to, I mean, some of the, t- I, I don't, I, I might be going down a road here, but when I think about like narcissism manifesting, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, you know, is, is there a healthy culture of, of no yeah. with, within yeah. the staff? You know, that doesn't yeah. mean that, uh, you know, if, if a staff person saying no to all the directives, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, another problem, but if there's no point where there's ever, Hey, I don't know, or I don't mm-hmm. think so. Or is it, no, you're going to do everything I'm saying, you know, so is it a culture of invitation or is it a culture of imposition? Um, And, you know, here's what I wonder narcissism wise. Um, If the only person on the church website, and if it's like a big church, uh, is like the the senior pastor, um, I I think that's a problem. Yeah. So that's, that's Uh, a, you may be a narcissist. I was, I was part of a church that will go, will not be named right now, but no pastor had their name on their outside of their office. Mm. And when I asked the question, uh, the person said, well, because if that pastor is let go, uh, you know, we don't have to take their name off. It's just emotionally less of a hit. And I thought, Ooh, ooh, you might be a narcissist. <laughs> and so, um, but see, that's an example of control, isn't it? You want to, you want to keep everybody guessing, but you're the because you want to make your place secure. So, anyway, yeah. there. My yeah. goodness, Sharon. Really, all this does is it makes me really, really excited to hear your conversation with Chuck. And before we do, we have to thank our partners. We're so grateful to have partners that make these initiatives possible. Uh, I want to thank Brotherhood Mutual. They're a leading national provider of ministry-focused insurance and services. Headquartered in Fort Wayne, Indiana, they serve the church all around the country. They keep ministries thriving. Uh, Please visit their website at brotherhoodmutual.com. All of our churches need uh, insurance help. Uh, I also want to thank Right Now Media. I know you guys have done work with them, and and many of you, our listeners, will have uh, you know access to their library of content. We certainly do at our church. Uh, right Now Media wants to partner with you to enhance the discipleship experience in your church, and so you can visit rightnowmedia.org to find out how Right Now Media can serve your church. And now to Sharon's conversation with Chuck DeGroote. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to connect with you. Yeah, so good to connect, Sharon. Thank you. You know, I put off reading your book for quite some time because I thought this was going to be kind of an expose on why church leaders are terrible. (laughs) 
But it wasn't until earlier this summer that I heard your interview with Carrie Newhoff, and you were coming at this topic of narcissism and leadership from a very different angle than I was expecting. What I what really struck me was actually your compassion and your empathy for pastors. And so I was wondering if you could actually just start out for, for anyone who's like hackles are raised about this topic of, of narcissism and, and toxic leadership, especially in our cancel culture, it can feel like that's all that we're being accused of. Can you share just a little bit about your background in pastoral ministry and how you came to this topic? Yeah, that's so good. I mean, I did not want to write an expose and I come at it uh, from the angle of my pastoral work in Orlando and San Francisco as someone who uh, planted, uh, I was one of these Gen Xers that planted a church within a very boomer context back in the late uh, 1990s mm -hmm. and uh, experienced the the uh, pain and, and failure of all that after mm -hmm. three years. Um, and I've been involved in assessments and uh, resourcing, training, forming church planters for a long, long time. And so, yeah, I, I've got a lot of compassion because I know their stories. I've worked with them. I've been in, I've been in uh, that kind of ministry, right? And so this is not about uh, canceling. This is not about calling out necessarily. It is about clarifying some of what we're seeing and inviting pastors onto a healing journey. I mean, I want to see pastors whole. Mm -hmm. uh, and and yeah. so that's uh, at least part of why I wrote the book. Yeah, well, that leads me actually to the next question I wanted to ask you is what was the impetus for you writing this book? Like what what created that urgency in you? Yeah, I was beginning to hear probably like you and others, uh, language of narcissism and abuse thrown around. And uh, I'm a clinician too, I'm a pastor, but I got my uh, clinical counseling degree at the same time in the mid 1990s that I went to seminary. And it felt really important to me to get some clarity around around these terms. Why, why do we use them? Narcissism, for instance, is not a you either have it or don't have it. There's a spectrum. Mm -hmm. And when we do assessments, we account for that spectrum. And and there, there is a sense in which the large majority of uh, pastors and I would say church planners that I've worked with um, do find themselves in in that on that spectrum to some degree or another, right? And so um, does that mean that they're disqualified for ministry? No, um, there are a whole host of other considerations that, that go into that, right? And so I, I think that as we're using this, particularly in social media, narcissism, abuse, all the other words that we use to describe people that we, we don't care for, we don't like, um, I think it's really important for us to be clear and compassionate in our language as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was helpful for me, for you to clarify that we're talking about a spectrum here, because I think as soon as that word, there's kind of a stigma attached to it. And so as soon as that word is thrown out, it feels like we are talking about a disqualifying vice at that point. But what yeah. I discovered in, in reading your book is that I could identify a number of things that resonated with me personally. And since I've read your book, I have recommended it to everyone, every, every single pastor hmm. I have spoken to, I have recommended your book because it really, it's, it's been a long time since I have felt that convicted over my own sin, but not at all in a condemning way, in a shaming mm -hmm. way. It was much more, I think you have put your finger 
on a common struggle that is rewarded in a lot of ways by our church culture. And it was one of those things where I thought this book is going to make me a better, healthier leader. And so I'm really, really grateful that you clarified. We're not saying that just because you struggle with this, you are disqualified for ministry. Now, the other thing that you said that was really illuminating is you made a link between narcissism and trauma. And so it's it's not as if this is just you were born a jerk. <laughs> um, That's right. But it's much That's more right. like you have pain that you probably haven't yeah. healed from. And so could you share just a little bit more about how those unhealed wounds lead to narcissism and leadership? Yeah, those those unhealed wounds leave us um, hurting and self-protected. And, and if you think about it, and I mean, as I've done this work, I've gotten to know the stories of many men in particular, women too, but mostly men, uh, where their stories of pain and trauma go way back. I'm talking six, seven, eight years old, where they have like palpable stories of abuse and where there were walls that were created that they've been hiding behind ever since. And when, you know, the beautiful thing about this work is then when, when you get to that place and there's some vulnerability, they, they begin to go on a healing journey. They no longer want to live self-protected, right? But those there are wounds that can come up in ministry as well that that leave us self-protected. And I, I've seen this evolution growth even of narcissism in pastors over the course of 10, 20 years as they've been wounded in their ministerial work, in their pastoral work, mm-hmm. uh, and where they've not dealt with those wounds well or wisely. They haven't done the work. They haven't gotten therapy, but they've become more self-protected. The more mm-hmm. self-protected you become, the more armored you become, the more apt you are. Uh, to 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 live in ways that kind of show up uh, in in narcissistic kinds of um, characteristics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is something that that Barna has found in their research. There's something roughly like 42 percent of pastors have considered leaving ministry. And the reasons for that are many, you know, just the stresses of the job, mm-hmm. feeling like they can't speak out on certain issues, just anecdotally in my conversations with other pastors, there is a lot of woundedness, a lot of relational rejection. Right. And so in addition to processing the wounds of our childhood, a lot of us are sustaining wounds at the hands of our church. And I think it's really important to con- to take that seriously, first of all, with great yeah. compassion, but to also warn that if we mm-hmm. do not do the work of healing from those wounds, we can turn into a monster as well. And so yeah. could you could you list yeah. some of the just warning signs for someone who's maybe not that far down the road, but what are yeah. some just yellow flags even? Hey, mm-hmm. I think there's a wound here that needs yeah. some addressing. Yeah. And Barna does such a good job teasing this stuff out, right? I, I mean, I think 
uh, and I'll tell it through the lens of a story. Um, this is a composite. I, I don't tell. So if people are listening, I'm not telling the story of someone I talked to two weeks ago, but, you know, of, of a pastor who I worked with, uh, who experienced over the course of about 10, 12 years in ministry, a number of those wounds that you're, you're talking about. And, you know, in our work together, uh, became more and more, what he reported is he became more and more self-protected, more and more insulated. And what that turned into in his trauma was a kind of fight mode where to get what he needed or wanted, he became more aggressive, more bullying. He ended up be, being more paranoid, more suspicious of what people were thinking about narratives that were out there. And as as we got talking about that, uh, he recognized that is un, unhealed trauma. Mm-hmm. And with that, we began to do the work of, of healing, we began to name some of that pain over the course of 10 or 12 years in ministry and pain that went back to a previous stint in ministry. And then, you know, then with that, he had some agency because then he could decide, well, I, I don't want to be this guy in fight mode all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to be aggressive. I don't want to be bullying. I don't want to live with this sense that people are constantly coming after me. So how then do I want to live? And that's mm-hmm. really, that's the rest of the work. You know, um, he ended up remaining in ministry and is much healthier now in part because he was, he got more vulnerable and he's able to bring his needs to the leadership there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of demanding he began to invite them into his realities, his lived realities, uh, and some of the pain of being a pastor. And they said, oh, well, we didn't know. Uh, and so it began a, about a two or three year long process of dialogue. And so there is there is a healing journey that you can go on if you're experiencing this kind of pain in ministry. We'll get back to our conversation with Chuck in just a second. But first, I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge some of our incredible partners in the Resilient Pastor Initiative. First, I want to thank Right Now Media. The mission of the church matters, your church matters, and Right Now Media wants to partner with you to enhance the discipleship experience in your church. They offer more than 25,000 biblical videos and supporting curriculum for use in community with other believers, including some great resources from leaders like myself, Rich, Sharon, and more. So visit rightnowmedia.org to find out how Right Now Media can serve your church. And I also want to thank Brotherhood Mutual. Brotherhood Mutual is a leading national provider of ministry-focused insurance and services. They're headquartered in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Brotherhood Mutual has a heart for serving the church across the country, keeping ministries thriving. For more information, visit brotherhoodmutual.com. And now, back to the conversation with Chuck DeGroat. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting having been in ministry for, we've been leading our church for about five years now, and it's really changed my perspective on stories that I hear about other pastors. You know, when I hear the story of, you know, someone who left their church and emailed their pastor about it, and their pastor just said, you know, essentially yeah. like, thank you for your email, you know, we'll miss you, and that was it, or they didn't respond at all. And Mm -hmm. people being just aghast, like I was so involved in their church for so long, like they didn't even want to have a conversation. They didn't want to hear, you know, why I was hurt. Like, this Mm -hmm. is what's wrong with the church. And, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said, how dare that pastor, you know, be so insensitive to those people? How dare they, you know, not sit down and and listen to them or, or care for them clearly, but now I see it through such a different lens. I, I think that that pastor probably got 
a dozen other emails like that, <laughs> you know, in a six month span. Yeah. And they're probably yeah. just reeling and yeah. don't know they're shutting down is, is probably some of yeah. and it. It reads yes, as, as it. narcissism, is, it reads as toxicity, but it's actually, it is very likely also a wound. And so do you have any yeah. other encouragement for someone who is trying to heal in a healthy way? And and this is, you said something that triggered a memory from your book that we probably don't even have time to get into, but you mentioned being vulnerable, but then there's also a type of vulnerable narcissism, which that was like, <laughs> yeah. we could have a whole other conversation yeah. Um, yeah. about the difference between like a grandiose narcissist and a vulnerable narcissist. Um, yes, but what right. are, what are some healthy yeah. steps that we can take to heal from these wounds? Yeah, I think it's important to be Begin to become honest about what the wounds are, you know, like mm -hmm. those things happen, but we're so busy and there's so much pressure in ministry that we don't often take the time to do a bit of an inventory about how we're doing. I use this language of a dashboard where there are yellow or red lights that show up on our personal dashboards around our bodies, our emotions, our thoughts, our relational patterns and our behavioral patterns. And those five things are, are really important to notice. Uh, to take some time each day in some sort of examine or, um, you know, to do a retreat day, a half a day a week or something like that, to take some time to say, how is this showing up in my body? Like, I'm not sleeping well at night. I've got these constant headaches. Um, how's it showing up in my emotions? I feel insecure a lot of the time, or mm -hmm. I'm just really angry. Um, how's it showing up in my thoughts? Um, I'm constantly obsessing on that that one email that I got two weeks ago from that person who I've been working with for 12 years and was such a core part of our ministry for so long and who ghosted us, you know. And okay. so can we get honest about those things? Because I think it's as we get honest about what's happening within us and as we as we begin to talk about it, what, what I often say about trauma is that trauma festers when we suffer alone. And so mm -hmm. we need to bring someone else into it, a spiritual director, a friend, um, stress becomes trauma, I should say, when we suffer alone. And so, mm. you know, what are normal stressors in ministry um, need not become traumas if we're processing them through. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like narcissism, or maybe this isn't what causes it, but do you feel like the lie it, that we tend to believe and that takes us down that road towards increasing unhealth is essentially, it's them. Like, it's them that are hurting me. It's them that are the problem. And we get yeah. so focused on that, that we don't turn and ask, but what is my work? Or, do you see yeah. that often? I, I see that. I think it's, I think it's some combo of um, it, that powerlessness that you're talking about when it's like, it's them mm -hmm. hurting me. And that, that the counter side of it is the heroic side of us that says, well, it's, it's all up to us. Um, mm -hmm. I guess I can't yeah. count on anyone else. It's all up to me. Right. And that, that's uh, that's a recipe for um, narcissism or at least narcissistic behavior, the kind of things that we see when people do life in isolation, invulnerably, self-protected. And so if you can be aware of that dynamic, like, oh, yeah, for people listening right now, like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm aware that that's beginning to happen. Like, I'm, um, I look around and I see people as enemies or I look around and see that's the person who's going to email me next or I really do feel like. Uh, ultimately, I'm on my own. Um, those are some things like I'd say at that point, reach out, talk to someone who who knows how to do this work with you and, and begin mm -hmm. to get honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So another question that your book raised for me, there's a Barna statistic that said 45% of pastors say that celebrity pastor culture has an impact on pastors' loss of credibility. And this is something that pastors wrestle with in a lot of different ways where we, we, we see other pastors fall and that is really chastening where, where we want to make sure we are healthy and take seriously other pastors who have been unhealthy and who have wounded their people. But on the other side of it, there's kind of this blowback where the term narcissism gets thrown around a lot. And one thing I've, I've heard you say before is that people come to you thinking you're like a narcissism hunter (laughs) and that they've found someone, (laughs) you know, they found like my pastor is a narcissist, you know, you need to take care of this. And I really appreciated you saying, you know, there's a lot that can be going wrong that is not narcissism. And, and sometimes it's just disagreement essentially but i think because we are in this culture where a we don't want to be accused but b we also mm. don't want to hurt people like we we genuinely yeah. want to care well for our people and so i feel this this often i've seen it in other pastors as well as this we're sort of holding back and there's a loss of, of confidence. Like, how do I, how do I give my church like clear, confident leadership without falling into some of these vices or being accused of some of those things? And so what would your input be for pastors who are really struggling with that? Yeah. First of all, I'm so glad you brought this up because it's so interesting to me when, I mean, I get emails all the time with people who say, um, I read your book and my pastor's for sure a narcissist. And I'm like, you didn't read the book then because um, clinicians make these diagnoses, right? Mm. And when we're talking about narcissistic personality disorder, there's a pretty high criteria for NPD, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe there are narcissistic traits and maybe what you're seeing is a little bit of anger or passive aggressiveness, or maybe the pastor's just going through a real tough season of leadership. And so- I encourage a lot of patience um, and compassion and curiosity when it comes to these conversations. And I get it when people feel hurt, when they feel like something bad is happening right now mm-hmm. to me or in my church. I mean, uh, terminology like narcissism and abuse can be, you know, it's like it feels really helpful. It feels like f- finally I've been empowered to say this is what it is. But f- for those of us who do the work, like when I go into a church it, it can take six months to a year to really tease out the, the depth of the dynamics. And and as I said to a church uh, in the last year, uh, bad leadership for a season is not narcissistic or abusive leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we can if we can just slow the train down a little bit, like I realize that there's been this pendulum swing um, and I want to take these things seriously. I mean, I wouldn't have written about this if I didn't want to take these things seriously. And at the same time, Um, not everyone, not every pastor who's in a bad season or who answers an email um, in a way that might be too aggressive as a narcissist. And by the way, confidence is not narcissism. Winsomeness, um, inspiring leadership from a stage is not narcissism. And so, and and that could be a much longer conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful. What would you advise to pastors who are in a situation where 
someone in their church is saying you are a narcissist or you are being toxic yeah. or and what do you think are some important steps for that pastor to take in a situation like that? Yeah. So I, I think we always have to remember in the positions that we're in, that there are power differentials, right. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. that, um, and, and that we, we have an impact uh, just because of who we are, our role, um, the platform that we're on, our education, we do have an impact on people. And we're also in relationships where there can be a lot of transference and projection. You know, people just put on us things. I mean, experiences of authority in the past, experiences of their parents, experiences of church. And so um, we're called to be shepherds. We're called to be pastors. So I always encourage pastors to go into that with a lot of curiosity, with questions, mm-hmm. not with uh, reactions, right? right. Uh, well, that's yeah. not me. And you're just misunderstanding me. You know, that's a defensive mm-hmm. reaction versus can you tell me more about how you've experienced mm-hmm. me? And if it starts to get, I mean, well, listen, so if we go into ministry, we will be un- misunderstood. I mean, that's a given, right? right? So yeah. um, be prepared to be misunderstood if you're a pastor. But if you do get to a place where there is some sort of tension that seems irresolvable or unresolvable, mm-hmm. bring someone else in um, mm-hmm. who is wise, uh, you know, a therapist or or someone who does this kind of work and um, who won't just sort of brush over it or um, uh, and and invite them into the conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. So it takes it takes some wisdom to tease these things out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, we could talk on and on there's there's i have so many yeah. questions i wish i wish i could just sit yeah. down with you and let you counsel me personally chuck but <laughs> we've got to we've got to wrap our time up but thank you so much for yeah. coming on this podcast thank you so much for writing this book i really cannot recommend it enough and i i was just thinking as you were talking i think the the note that you hit so well is that you are at your heart for pastors. And mm-hmm. I, I love that that Jesus is that way too, that that when we are acting out, when we are not our best selves, you know, Jesus doesn't just assess us based on that, but he sees through to like, what is the pain yeah. here? Like what needs Jesus healing? Yeah. And that is exactly yeah. what you are doing with this book. And so thank mm-hmm. you so much. And if you would mind closing us in prayer and, and pray for pastors who, who are wounded yeah. and, and needing to heal well in the season of ministry. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Sharon. Okay. Father, Son, and Spirit, for pastors today in particular who feel overwhelmed, uh, misunderstood, pressured, weary, exhausted, um, all of it, uh, bless and keep and make your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Um, Invite us to the curious work, the humbling work, the compassionate work of ministry. Um, uh, Help us to remember that we uh, did not enter into this work to be understood necessarily, but there is a certain a certainty of being misunderstood. Um, and so where we are tempted to self-protect, uh, help us to move toward vulnerability, uh, at least with someone who is safe enough to hear our story, to listen, to hold it with compassion. And so, uh, and heal us, heal, heal us individually, heal, heal the church right now in the midst of this massive reckoning that we're in the midst of right now. Um, heal our communities in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. 
Leaders, thank you for joining us as we kicked off season four of the Resilient Pastor podcast. Uh, We're so excited to be back. I hope you're enjoying it as well. And listen, once again, all of this is possible because of some amazing ministry partners. And so I want to thank Right Now Media. They understand that the mission of the church matters. They understand that the mission of your church matters. And Right Now Media wants to partner with you to enhance the discipleship experience in your church. So visit rightnowmedia.org to find out how Right Now Media can serve your church. Also want to thank Brotherhood Mutual, a leading national provider of ministry-focused insurance and services. Headquartered in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Brotherhood Mutual has a heart for serving the church and keeping ministries thriving. For more information, visit brotherhoodmutual.com. Hey, as always, thank you for listening. If this was helpful to you, uh, please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and uh, do share this with others. We're really, really hopeful uh, this will continue to bring encouragement to people. So pastors, church leaders, we're praying for you and we'll catch you next time on the Resilient Pastor Podcast.